1: ordinary to badass episode number 213 in this episode you're going to hear from jody lynn craven jody lynn helps entrepreneurs consistently attract more money if you're not an entrepreneur this episode is still for you there are so many great nuggets and takeaways matter of fact i found myself taking notes so definitely tune in make sure you listen to this episode but before we do, let me tell you about a little mistake I made. So, I made an error. This episode was supposed to have um, aired quite a while ago, at least a month or two ago. And it just wasn't getting any downloads. I couldn't figure out why. Oh, it was my issue. I messed it up. So, you would have heard why Jody Lone Craven is so badass, but you missed the consistently attracting money. So, I'm airing this episode, and then the follow-up episode will come on Thursday uh, so that you can get the whole shebang. If you want to hear what happened, check out my Instagram stories. We all make mistakes, right? (laughs) I guarantee you I will not make this mistake again. With that, let's get to the episode. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I am so glad you're here. Today's guest is Jody Lynn Craven. Jody Lynn, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show.
2: Thank you for having me. I know that this is going to be an amazing conversation, so I'm excited for it. So before we go any further,
1: I've got to ask you do you consider yourself ordinary or badass?
2: Totally a badass. <laughs> yes. All the way. <laughs> I love how you just owned it.
1: <laughs> it's yes. refreshing.
2: Thank you. I think so more people should call their way? badassery. <laughs> yes. Have you always felt that way? Uh, no, no, not at all. Like in my, I would say in my really early twenties, I was, uh, meek, Uh, insecure. Not that I don't have moments of being, you know, quiet or even insecurities. I was just a completely different person. Like find me in the corner hiding. That's who I used to be.
1: So was there a pivotal moment that changed it for you or did the progression happen
2: over time? Oh my gosh. So many moments uh, that took me outside of my comfort zone. I think I was in a position where I was in a really bad relationship and that was, it was really dragging me down. It was, it was emotionally abusive and I just, he was really kept me under his thumb for a long time. And there's one pivotal moment that I remember I'm from a very, very small town. There's like a thousand people grew up on a farm. So super like naive and just unaware of what the world has to offer. And I was in my early twenties and my old career, I was a, an oil and gas safety person. They had asked me to go and audit, do an audit, um, in new Orleans. So really big deal. I think I was 24 at the time. Um, so really big accomplishment for my age and everything. And, And, my ex, uh, completely crapped all over it. And going there, I was outside of my comfort zone. I had never been outside of Canada before. I had never gone anywhere by myself. My boss missed his flight. I'd never driven anywhere in like big cities. I was terrified to drive in Edmonton, which is like the biggest city close to us, which just has like 900,000 people. And that's it. So it was this huge moment of getting out of my comfort zone and seeing that it's okay. I didn't die. I was safe. And then seeing the world from a different perspective, because I didn't have people around me that I really knew uh, that were holding me back or, or holding me down. So that was huge for me.
1: So, and if this, you don't have to share this if you don't want to, but how did you end up getting out of that unhealthy relationship?
2: Oh man, I don't mind sharing it all. I think it's, uh, I think it's important that we talk about things even when they're vulnerable or when we have to be vulnerable. Right. I was in a position where I had bought a house with this individual with my then boyfriend early on in, in life. And so we'd owned it for a couple of years, but we purchased it at the boom, like the top of the economy before the 2008 crash. And um, when I was in this position, actually coming back from New Orleans, having this new outlook on life and realizing that I didn't really belong in that relationship anymore, that you know, I needed to get out, um, I, I came back home and the only thing that was keeping me in place was money. And he had actually said those things to me, you know, like, if you're going to leave, you're going to have to foreclose on our mortgage, no one's going to like you, Um, you're not going to have any friends, you're not going to have any family, because he had segregated me from them. And he actually said those words. Um, And I believed them for about a week. And then I called my dad. And uh, I told him what was going on and that I, I needed to get out of this relationship. And you know how dads always know everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew all of this. And he, he thought that I was aware of the life that I was going to have if I stayed. And I wasn't. It was like I was waking up to all of this stuff all at once. So we had this really honest and, and hard conversation. And I said, I can't leave because I'm going to blow up my life financially. And he said, Jody it's only money. And he said, the next thing he said was the most pivotal. You get to choose. So if you choose to stay, you need to be happy because you're choosing to stay or you choose to leave and you choose to be happy. Either way, you're the one making the choice. And so I made it. And I tanked my entire financial life. I foreclosed on a mortgage, went through consumer proposal, which is like one step above bankruptcy, barely, um, and restarted my life. And that was when I was, I think, 25 years old.
1: Oh, I love that story. I think it's so good. And it had to take so much strength to get out of that relationship. I know some people from the outside think, oh, it's easy. Just get out. But it's not. There's a whole bunch of manipulation and lies and things that have happened over time. Um, I'm yeah. going you believe things, you know, so uh, yeah. kudos to you. That's amazing that you're able to get out of that. And then for where you are now.
2: Yeah, it, it actually, I, looking back on everything that I've been through, not just that moment, but all the other things that have happened that were trying in my life, I really look at them as blessings because they wouldn't be here. So that moment in itself, uh, lit this fire within me to learn about money. And so I was in oil and gas safety. So I didn't know anything about money. I had a financial advisor, but I didn't know. And so it launched me into learning what was going to happen next legally, uh, what was going to happen financially, all of this stuff, which was very difficult because I was young, because I look young, um, and because the banks don't really want to talk about how you get out of your mortgage when it's not when you're not going to pay it anymore. They don't want to really help you. In my opinion, that's what I found. Um, So it actually um, pushed me to get into financial services. And I found that there was more people that were just like me who didn't know how the game of finances was played. And um, I'm very thankful, although it was hard, you know, in that moment, I look back and there's so many lessons that I've brought that have propelled me forward in my life. So what would you say
1: to the woman that is in an unhealthy relationship and isn't sure what to do or isn't sure how to get out?
2: Um, I, the way that I look at the world is there's always a way, there is always a way to figure it out. We just have to be We have to want to figure it out. So if you're at that point where you want to figure it out, start taking baby steps. Like what would be the next step? Asking questions. People want to help you. I think for me, I believe that humans have good hearts and good souls were innately good. Most people anyway. So keep asking people for help and finding the solutions that you need because there is so many people that want to support you and see you happy.
1: So good. This has already started off great. So I can't wait to dig in more. But first, (laughs) will you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Absolutely. So I I told you that I, you know, I foreclosed on this mortgage. I started in financial services. Um, That really lit this fire for me to understand. I thought like car sales, if I knew the ins and outs of money, no one could take advantage of me again. And I felt really taken advantage of through that process because nobody was really telling me what was going to happen. I had to do the legwork to figure it out. And uh, so I I became an advocate for Canadians and and families around me learning how to play the money game. And I became a broker. I opened my own office. I have a team of people. And throughout that journey, I started to, to lean into personal development and lean into a spirituality in a sense like the law of attraction and things like that. And I started studying how the mind and how frequency plays with the whole picture, how they're important puzzle pieces, but I found that there wasn't a lot of actionable steps. And I found with myself and with clients, you know, I would free up a thousand dollars a month for somebody. And this wasn't rare. This would be, you know, often I would sit down with a client and be able to do this. And then I would build them this amazing plan of how to get out of debt in a year and how to be in a completely different scenario in 12 months from now. And I'd come back and they'd be worse than when I left them. And I knew it had something to do with the energy behind money. So that led me into my own journey of going within and asking some questions. How do I relate to money? How do I block money? And I call them abundance keys. I started downloading abundance keys and codes and started formulating or putting together my own formula, which I call the Fluid Money Blueprint, on how to help people with tangible steps on how to see how they're blocking themselves energetically and through their mindset. And, P.S., it has nothing to do with money at the end of the day. It's more the way that we see ourselves in our world and then how to retrain our brain and then how to, um, attract abundance on autopilot.
1: Can you explain a little bit about what a money mindset or a money block is? And then what are the most common ones that you see?
2: Oh, there's so many. I think our surface money blocks are things like what our parents have told us, you know, you have to work hard for money. Uh, money doesn't grow on trees. That is the surface. If we were to look at this, like a dam that is stopping water, water being the abundance and you're on the other side of it. Um, the bricks, the top of the bricks are the surface things like what our parents taught us, what we observe. But when we start to really go down into things, it's the way that we see ourselves. Okay. So and example of this might be when I have more money, then people will think I am responsible. They will think I am good. They will think that I am worthy. That is a block because what we're doing is we're telling the universe here in this space, I am not good. I am not worthy. I am not deserving, which is not true. So how do we get over that?
1: Like what is something we do to move past those things or even even to notice them, because sometimes we don't even notice them.
2: Yeah, that's the first thing is noticing that is noticing how you see the world and how you limit yourself when it comes to money. I can't buy that. I can't do that. I'll never make that. These are things that have been implanted or ingrained in us from the way that we were brought up. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? All of these things we take as a child and we hold on to them. A good example of this when I was five years old had nothing to do with money. My uncle passed away, and uh, there was a big, you know, gathering. Everybody's coming together and, you know, obviously processing his death and everything like that. And I remember asking, "What's going on?" And my mom said, "You're too little." to worry about it right now. You can't handle it. So don't worry about it. She was trying to save my feelings, obviously. But for me, what this meant was that I couldn't handle it being anything in life. So it showed up in my relationships. It showed up in my money stories. It showed up in my work every single area of my life was impacted. So the first step is to notice how you do that. And that's a process. I have a process that I take my students through, which is asking them specific questions when it comes to money. So when you open your bank account, how do you feel? Okay. We want to teach the body or at least acknowledge what the body is going through, because we're not just, you know, a head on a stick. Our body is having reactions as we're going through our day-to-day, you know, the fight or flight response, fight, flight, freeze response. A lot of people at some point have had some sort of trauma with money. They couldn't pay their bills or somebody told them they were bad or they didn't have enough money or told them they didn't deserve something. And they took that on and now it's trauma within the body. So now when we open up our bank account or when you open up your bank account, you might be having a trauma response, this fight, flight, or freeze response. So your body is going through it with you. So we want to understand what it's doing. When do you become anxious? When do you become angry? When do you become frustrated and why? What is the, I guess, the commentary going on inside of your brain as you're interacting with money? I shouldn't be doing this. I can't afford this. I don't have this or you know my life sucks because I don't have a million dollars in the bank. When I have this then I'll be free. These are all limitations that we set within our own minds. So the first step is to really look. Just what the what I specifically did was I sat down with my bank account and I went to open my bank account and I paid attention to the thoughts and the feelings that I was having. And then I started to go from there. I did a three-month, if you really want to look at this, do a three-month deep dive into what you spent money on over the last three months. Um, Most people will avoid this. But even that is a cue. I call myself like a little investigator. And I get my students to think of themselves as investigators too, because this is just all raw data where you can actually formulate a plan on how to choose something different in your life but you don't know it until you see it. So uh, even if you're avoiding something, looking at your bank account or looking at the last three months of what you've spent money on, ask yourself why, what are you afraid to see? And um, why are you afraid to see that?
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I think that people are terrified to look at their bank accounts. And I did this for a long time. Um, where I would just stick my head in the sand instead of looking at my, uh, my bank account or looking at my credit cards, anything like that. Like it would be easier to just ignore it or it felt easier, but that just like piles up over time, you know?
2: That's right. And if you think about your automatic response that you're having within your body, you're teaching your body that that's the correct response to have. So now you're you're becoming less and less aware that your body is going through this automatic response. Even the, the, um, the stuff that's going on in your head, the chatter, you're not even aware of what's being said in your own mind to limit yourself because we're so afraid to look. And I have found that once you do look, what happens is even when you look at the fear of, I don't want to look at my bank account because I'm scared. Why are you scared? Well, I'm scared. I don't have enough money. This was me personally. I'm scared. I don't have enough money. I wouldn't even have my bank account open. Okay. Well, is it an absolute truth? And this is one of my fundamentals that I teach, absolute truth. So an absolute is something that is 100% across the board. Every single person, every single thing on this planet acts accordingly because it's an absolute truth. There is very few of them. So I ask myself, you know, is it an absolute truth that I don't have enough money? Well, no, because I don't even know how much is in my bank account. I don't know what's coming out of my bank account. So no, it's just this fear that I've created. Okay. And then I like to take it to the bottom line scenario or the worst case scenario. What am I afraid that will happen if I don't have enough or if whatever it is that I'm worried about happens and you go down to the worst case scenario. And what I found is looking back on my life, I've been through way worse then whatever is going on in my head here. And even if this thing happened, I know that I'd be able to get through it because I've been through way worse in my life. And I think it's that way for most people.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes the unknown is what like scares us or prevents us from taking action. But I like how you said that you look at the worst case scenario or what are the worst things that could happen? And then you realize, Oh, That's really not a big deal, but we build it up in our head to be like, oh, it's huge.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and your brain is designed to do that, right? Your brain is designed to keep you safe. And I I find this a lot when it, when it comes to being able to do things, to call in more money or to receive more money immediately, people are think I need to work more on the other side of that. There is this underlying fear of when I work more, I'm going to have less time for my family. I'm going to have problems in my relationships. I'm going to have problems with my health because my health is going to deteriorate because I'm burnt out. I'm this, I'm that, Um, Um, And then I'm going to end up losing everyone I care about. And then I'm going to die. Well, your brain's not going to let you do that. If that is what you've built up in your mind is going to happen when you do said thing. But most people don't look at that. They just try and do more and it works for a little bit, and then they fall off the wagon and they can't consistently do something or they can't get themselves to do said thing. It's because we do everything for a reason. Our brain is trying to keep us safe. So there's a reason why you can't get yourself over that hump, so to speak.
1: So I know we talked about the negative chatter, the things that we say to ourselves when we open up our bank account. So Okay, somebody notices the things that they're saying to themselves. Notices the mean things or whatever comes in their mind about money. What do they do from there?
2: Yeah, so it depends on how how um, attached they are to those things, like how much they actually believe them. Sometimes when you see it, it's going to be like that's stupid. I can't believe I believe that. And you're able to just let it go. You know, I don't actually believe that. Okay. I want to delete that. And you know, the more that you go through this conversation with yourself, when those things come up that you no longer believe, or you think is relevant for you, they will come up less and less and less, but the things that people are really attached to, I made this mistake. Uh, example foreclosure on my home. It means that I can't take care of myself. I'm really bad with money. I can't be trusted. All of these things came out of that that experience that I went through. Um, so then, I, I one exercise that I give my students is the best friend exercise. You know, if your best friend came to you or someone that you love beyond words came to you and said i'm a horrible person they just reflected the same words back i'm a horrible person because i declared bankruptcy i foreclosed on my home now i'm a loser now i'm i'm not worthy now you know everybody's going to hate me or whatever it is that was going on inside your head if your best friend or someone you care about that you care about said that to you would your response be yeah yeah you are <laughs> No, no, No. you would hold compassion for them and you would give them the reasons why that's not true. Okay. We need to do that for ourselves. And when you start to do that, when you start to treat yourself like that best friend and you start to tackle those things that you are saying, and you start to see them from a different perspective, the best friend's perspective, I'm not an awful person. I made a mistake. Um, you know, when we think we've done something wrong, we connect it to this definition of being immoral or really bad. Um, and it it doesn't have to be wrong. It can be just a mistake. It's just a time in your life where you chose this over that, and it doesn't have to mean that you are a bad person. You get to choose.
1: Yes, and to to that point, you do get to choose, and you don't have to believe all your thoughts you think either. Exactly. So you get to choose how you want to feel about money or how you want to feel about your weight or your body or just anything you get to choose. So I think yeah. it's important to hit that note. Like you can still, you can argue back. It doesn't make you crazy because you argue back with those thoughts in your head, you know?
2: Yep. Yep. But it's a good exercise to go through. I, I have literally become my best friend because I spend a lot of time with myself paying attention. You know, I went through, there was a couple of summers ago, I went through an exercise of checking in on myself three times a day in the morning at lunchtime and at night three times a day, I would check in and be like, how does Jody feel right now? And actually listen. Okay. Why do I feel that way? And it was the greatest exercise ever in awareness because we end up getting stuck in the minutia of life and getting like, carried off with, you know, the waves over here or over there, or our spouse comes home and they're, you know, upset about something. And we end up going on this roller coaster ride with them. You get to stand at the edge of the platform when you have this awareness and choose whether you're going to go on the ride or not. And if you end up going on the ride, this is phase two of the fluid money blueprint is figuring out your pattern. When you send yourself on this proverbial ride, and how to walk it back and how to decide to get out of the pattern without judgment, just noticing um, where you're at and how you can walk that back. So you're no longer going down a path that doesn't serve you.
1: Yeah. And I think the part you said without judgment is huge. So big, you know, <laughs> so
2: big. We're so hard on ourselves, especially yes. women. Women believe I, I heard this from, oh man, I'm going to for Alison Armstrong, such an amazing relationship coach. I love her. Um, I've taken so many material or like, I've read so much of her stuff and listened to so much of her stuff, but she talks about how us as women, we create this perfect woman in our mind. You know, she's better looking, she's smarter, she's all of these things. And then we hold ourselves to that perfection standard, but she does not exist. So really looking at all of these things without judgment, with just curiosity, how do I think about money? How do I think about my debt? How do I think about my spouse with money and my relationship with my spouse and money and what we have? When you start having these conversations from a curiosity place, you can see all of the things that are blocking you from receiving. Um, And it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And as, as you were talking about perfection, I'm like, perfection is bullshit. Nobody's exactly. perfect, you know, exactly. but we set the standard for herself. That's just not accomplishable or attainable.
2: Exactly. And we can really learn from men in this regard because they don't think there is a perfect man. They just look at other men and they're like, Oh yeah, I like that quality. I'd like to take it, but they're not so hard on themselves. Right. And Also, you know, being hard on ourselves is a a format of our brain because our brain we are gatherers, so we're designed to see things that are are changing or have changed. Notice little things around us to protect us. You know, when the hunters aren't around, we go out and we gather you know back back in the day of cave women this is what we would do and you needed that extra sense um so that you could see something change and then protect yourself if it was a wild animal or something but now when we relate that to what's happening in our life it's like oh this alarm bell went off but we're not paying attention to it cuz it's it there's no tiger <laughs> but our body's acting like there's a tiger right, chasing us right
1: yeah yeah it gets the adrenaline going even though yeah there's no tiger or no immediate threat
2: Exactly. Yeah. So it's
1: the perception. <laughs> <laughs> so you said a phrase earlier that I wanted to dive more into, um, you said calling in more money. Yeah. So I want to dive
2: into what it means to call in more money and how people can do that. Amazing. Um, I, I like to reference it as money magic. When we think of money, we think of, I work X number of hours and then I get paid. And it's super linear. That is one way that money can come into your life. But there is billions of ways that money can enter your life. And abundance even goes a little bit further than this because abundance is all things. It's more love, more joy, more bliss, more money, everything in your life. So kind of 10x everything that is going on in your life, all of the good that you want to call towards you. Um, and so it's, it's really starting to look at all the things that we've already talked about, how we limit ourselves, just having that conversation of, you know, I do this and then I get paid. Um, that's one way that we can have money come into our lives. Just seeing that and challenging our brain when that comes up is one way we, that we can call in more money. Um, Seeing that we limit ourselves in that front, or we limit ourselves on what we think is possible, what we think is attainable, all of that starts to open up this vacuum for things to happen in your life for you to call in more abundance. Um, And, and then the craziest things start happening, you know, you get uh I just to give you some really quick examples. Uh one of my students had somebody just randomly drop off 500 dollars in cash just in her backyard, just an old boss of hers, you know, free lunches, uh, free courses, a discount on this, a refund on that. Uh, we had a tractor show up out of the blue. We're farmers, so that was pretty huge for us. Right. We sold a property uh that was never on the market. Um, we got a $20,000 deposit before even a contract was signed. This is money magic. And so my apologies, because I'm not quite
1: getting what I have to do or what somebody has to do to have money magic, like oh, what, okay. what's the first step or what is yes. something... That they can okay.
2: do. So, I'll give you an overview of the three steps that I give my students. Cool. That's the flowed money blueprint. The first step uh, would be to see how you are seeing your life with money. So, everything that we've been talking about, you know, how do you feel? What do you think when you're opening up your bank accounts? What that will do, if we're thinking about it like a dam, it will start to weaken the bricks. So, money starts to come through, more possibilities happen. And then, the second thing that you need to do is to map out those patterns which we also started talking about. How do you cut yourself off from receiving? Because, you know, you, you end up um, looking at your bank account. It gets you into this scarcity mode of, I don't have enough money. And then, you know, you're all of a sudden trying to like force things to happen. If you're an entrepreneur, you're like, oh, I need to make more phone calls and I need to put more social media posts, but nobody answers the phone or the people that you talked to they're They're like, eh, not for me. Or, you know, the posts that you had just didn't land. It's Because of our intention and our energy going into it. It's coming from a place of lack, a place of scarcity. So shifting that and infusing um, more joy and more abundance and the intention of being safe and supported into the things that you're doing. And then the third step would be to challenge those possibilities, challenge the way that money can come into your life and challenging what you believe can happen in your life. If you're an entrepreneur and, you know, you're just starting your business, um, you kind of have a a clean slate, but you're looking at other people and you're like, oh, it took them five years to get to $100,000. Well, that's one way but there's other possibilities. So it, is it possible that you could get there faster? Yeah. Okay. And, and really challenging the way that you see it has to be versus the billions of possibilities that exist outside of that. So good. I like that three-step system. Um,
1: super helpful. And then one thing I wanted to dive deeper into was cutting yourself off from receiving. I think that that is huge, how often we do that and how often we don't even know. What are ways that you see that people you work with cut themselves off from receiving?
2: Oh man. Well, one way is when, when they receive something that's unexpected, they're like, no, no, no. You know, that's one of the first things, the first indicators that you're cutting yourself off or not allowing yourself to receive. Somebody wants to buy you a coffee and you're like, oh no, no, no. I can't accept that. Why not? you know, somebody wants to give you something, whether it's, you know, help with your business or, you know, maybe I, we, you know, my sister-in-law has a bunch of baby stuff in her house. And she's like, I've been saving this for you, you know, whatever. There's all of these things that we end up saying no to, because we feel like, um, we've attached it to receiving, to being greedy, um, not being worthy to receive or, or all of these false things that we hold yeah. on to. Yeah. That was garbage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So one of the easiest ways to see it is when you, when you are offered something, how do you accept it? Even compliments? Cause it's not just about money. How we do one thing is how we do everything. How do you receive a compliment? Um, if you're like, oh, no, 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 I I'm, I'm okay. This you whole know? thing. <laughs> yeah. This whole thing. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, what about when you receive money? When you get money drop into your bank account is your first thought. Oh, I, that's not enough. Or is it, wow, that's amazing. I'm so excited that it's X number of dollars. Now I have this possibility and this possibility. Most people it's the first, you know, oh, that's not enough. Yes,
1: absolutely. And it's so crazy. All of the stuff that is right in front of our face that we are saying no to and we are missing merely (laughs) because we've said no and we're just not willing to see it. And I've done it before, too. So I'm not like preaching to anybody, but
2: oh, yeah, yeah. I've done it. a I I mean, throughout my whole life. That's why I went on this journey was, you know, I was working so hard that I was experiencing adrenal fatigue. Um, I was, you know, I had just ended another relationship and it blew up in my face. So I couldn't keep a relationship. I couldn't, you know, I wasn't happy. I was experiencing this fatigue within my body. I was completely burnt out. And I said, there's gotta be a an- a better way than me just trying to kill myself to make money. Like it must be something that I am thinking, something that I am feeling that is actually pushing people away. And when I started to be mindful of that, what is my energy going into this interaction? Is it to take from you? Is it to get something for you from you? Is it to sell you something? All of those things were gross feelings. I felt them before when somebody's tried to do that to me and was like, oh, I can't get away from you fast enough. But then there's the people that you meet that are that draw you in where you're like wow I love their energy I love being around them they're so exciting and positive and whatever it is you might not even be able to quantify why you want to be around them you just feel you want to that's the energy that you're putting into it. So how can you infuse more of that energy and more of what you're really trying to do? You wanna be a badass so that you can change the world. You wanna be a badass so that you can help women or help individuals or do whatever it is you're here on this planet to do. And that's coming from a heart-centered space, not an egocentric space, that's a heart-centered space. So lean into that. How can you get more excited about that? And that feeling, that feeling, frequency is completely unstoppable.
1: Yes, agreed. And we forget that the frequency we put out is the same we're probably going to get back. You know, if you're walking around like Eeyore, you're probably going to meet other people like Eeyore.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And even our brain is designed to look for things that we feel are important. It's the red car analogy. You buy a red car and you see them everywhere. It's the reticular activator within our brain. So if we're telling our brain every single day, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough clients. Um, I haven't worked hard enough. Your brain's finding examples of that to be true. Yeah, this is you. So start saying the opposite. I do have enough, even if it's just coming back to this moment, this one right here. Do you have enough for whatever you need in this moment? You want a coffee? Yeah, I've got money for coffee. You want, you know, I don't know, a pair of shoes. Yeah, I got money for a pair of shoes. What do you need in this moment? And training your brain and your body to see that you have more than enough right here instead of looking at, you know, Oh, the next two weeks and five weeks and seven weeks and whatever, I'm not going to have enough. Once I get to that point in the future, all the money is gone. Well, what about all the potential money that could come in that two weeks, five weeks, seven week period, right? Like you're not done attracting (laughs) money. You're not done making money. Like, it's not like this is the last dollar that will drop into your bank account. No, but when we think that way so far into the future and lock into, I don't have enough. Um, we do cut off all the possibilities for money to come in, in between now and then.
1: Absolutely. And kind of like, I think you mentioned it earlier, like the, if, when type statements, like if I do this, then I'll feel that, you know, or, yeah. and so we put off these feelings of joy or these feelings of excitement and just keep putting it to the future. So then there's never time to feel abundant or to feel joy or to feel good right now. Cause you're always waiting for some external factor in the future.
2: That's right. But like attracts like. So it, it, when you think about your greatest desires, whether it's million a million dollars or, you know, a yacht or a house in the Hamptons or whatever it is that you desire, it's not necessarily said thing. It's the feeling. Because there lives joy and bliss and excitement and awe and all of these things. It's the feelings. Now, what we know is like attracts like. So if you're saying, when I get to this moment, then I'll be able to feel it. But you spend most of your time in this moment where you are right now, not feeling any of those things, you're pushing away your desires. Um, You will attract them faster when you start living in those feelings more often from a genuine place. Now I want to put a caveat on that. A lot of people in in the personal development space have used this, this theory of you just have to shift to the positive. You just got to shift to the positive and just be positive. And, you know, for us, you know, trying to be perfectionist women, right. (laughs) We're like, Oh God, I just, I can only be positive. And I talk about this in my webinar because it is BS you're human you are human and what happens is that you end up stuffing all those feelings down like you know something bad happens and you're frustrated and maybe you're angry and maybe you're having a little pity party or something like that and you're like no I can't I just have to be positive when you don't allow yourself to feel it you bury those feelings and they're still there and what happens is they pile up pile up pile up pile up and then they're playing like a song in the background all All the time. And then you end up attracting from that rather than the affirmation that you said this morning, because that now becomes your average. So instead of trying to shift and ignore the feelings, take a moment and take a breath and feel them. You know, why am I upset? Why am I angry? Like give yourself the space. If you need to have a tantrum and you want to be angry about something, give yourself the space to feel angry. Because the problem with that strategy of just shifting again, you're pushing everything down, but do you have children, Marie? I don't know. You don't. Okay. But you've seen children before, right? Yeah. Yeah, You've seen them like in Walmart have like a tantrum. Have you ever seen, you know, anybody be able to reason with a child that is having a tantrum? (laughs) Never, never. That's what's going on inside your body when you try and shift out of that state, but you're really stuck and you're really mad about something or you're really frustrated. You can pretend that you have a tiny little two-year-old that's having a tantrum inside your body. And if you try and force them to see reason, it's just going to make them more mad. They can't, they can't reason because they're not in the space to reason. So what I do is I say, okay, baby Jody," I put my hands over my heart and I say, it's Okay. Feel whatever you need to feel. And I give myself that space. And what I was afraid of before I did this exercise was that I would never get out of the feeling. Like I would always stay in this frustration. It would never leave me. But what happened when I started to acknowledge the feelings is they started to release faster than I've ever seen. So I went from, you know, a day being frustrated or a week being frustrated, carrying that frustration or that scarcity or anxiety with me to an hour to. 5 minutes to 10 minutes. And again, some things are deeper than others. Um but I can usually shift that feeling by just putting my hands over my heart and feeling into it and allowing it to move through my body and out within seconds. And then it's gone for good. I'm not holding on to it anymore. So good. I think that's more badass than anything.
1: Like Thank just you. feeling what you feel and owning it and allowing yourself time to process it as opposed to covering it up and trying to be tough, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. And it, it just, you can't reason with yourself. So, I mean, all of the things that you say, you know, the affirmations that you say after to force yourself to be positive, they aren't as effective. Because you're not ready for that. And it's hard to say to yourself, like, I just want to be mad, but sometimes you just want to be mad. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. let yourself be mad. Go kick a pillow or punch a wall. Maybe not a wall, punch a <laughs> pillow, <laughs> you know, like kick into the air, do something that is going to help you move those feelings out of your body. Cause they literally, and there's been studies that have done that have been done that talk about feelings getting stuck like spurs in your body and then actually causing damage within the body. And I don't know if you do yoga, but a big thing in yoga is when you start working on the hips with females. I don't know if it's the same with males because I'm a female, Um, but when you start working on the hips and you start doing hip flexors and stuff, there's a ton of individuals that just start like bawling for no reason. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the emotion that's stuck there. Yeah. You got to get it out. It's not yes. Good. Agreed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. Let's
1: end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want.
0: Oh,
2: one tip. Well, it's so hard. Just one. I would say, um, it, w- it it would be a culmination of things that I've learned. You are worthy You are deserving. And the reason why I know that, and though I don't even know you is because when I look at a child, regardless of whose child it is, I want the world for them simply because they are, they are here. They are present. They have a soul, a heart, blood pumping through them. They're here at this time for a specific reason. I truly believe that. And so are you that's your reason to be badass. That's your reason to go out there and kick some ass and just anything that you desire is truly possible when you believe it's possible.
1: I love your passion around this. (laughs) So Jody Lynn, if people want to check you out, how can
2: they get in contact with you? Amazing. Instagram, it's just Jody Lynn Craven. I have an I and an E in my name. I'm sure there'll be some links. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I have tons of content inside of there. I have a website. It's just jodielandcraven.com. And if you go onto my Instagram and go to the link in my bio, there is a free webinar that you can watch that goes through more of the mistakes that we make as entrepreneurs trying to attract money and the Fluid Money Blueprint and how I can help you more. Thank you so much. You've been a total badass and have enjoyed hearing your story. Thank you so
1: much for the time. This has been such a pleasure. And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it.
0: Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, ordinarytobadass.com slash podcast. And submit your own experience on how you took your life from Ordinary to Badass and get the chance to be on a future Spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.